did you notice a real amazing sense of awe and reverence? You can turn that on, sweetie. This morning in worship, did anybody just, as, as we sang, I didn't sing this morning on purpose, not because I didn't like the songs. I didn't sing to try to save my voice. But as we were worshiping and as we were singing, I just kept thinking of the words we were singing and the picture. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be on a hill watching sheep, just doing your job, and all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appears? Can you imagine what that would have been like? And then when he says, don't fear, all of a sudden, a choir. I wonder if they had to practice their singing or not. You know, who's going to be alto? Who's going to be tenor? Who's going to be bass? Who's... Can you? That actually happened. It's not just a postcard. It says in Galatians, in the fullness of time, the Father knows the timing. Jesus says even the Son doesn't know the timing. And God the Father, in the fullness of time, he says now's the time. And all creation ahead of it was looking towards this time. And they could see, and it says in the Bible, that the prophets were looking ahead, not just at Jesus' time, but at our time, to see what would happen and to see the fulfillment of the promises. And here is the culmination of God with us happening. I want to take a few minutes. We've, we've spent the last number of weeks in Isaiah. And when I started, I didn't realize it just kept unfolding and opening up for me as I was studying it and meditating on it. And the first, first sermon, I've, I've kind of almost worked backwards as we've studied it. In the first week, we talked about the name of Jesus. His name shall be called. And, and the amazing thing about a name is a name reveals the character, reveals the nature, reveals the individual. It removes the chaos or the confusion as to who that person is. So instead of saying you, we say a name. And immediately what happens is there an, is an identification that happens. And so they, the picture of his name, and there were four names. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And what those names represented and pictured. And then we went from there, we went backwards, and we saw that he's going to break the yoke. And I believe prophetically that there have been people that have had their, they've had a yoke or a burden on them. They've had a staff on their shoulders. They've had a rod of oppression. They've had this, this attack on them. You know, Jesus is the one that breaks that. He is the one that breaks it. The name of Jesus is powerful. 
And then last week, as I was preaching and sharing, the, the thought was how in, in that passage, if you go back another verse, it talks about how Jesus was, would come and it was the, the foot, the, the feet of the battle and the cloaks that were from the oppressors and how that was, would actually turn into being fuel for your fire. And how in the making, in the breaking that we experience, God is actually making something. Romans 8, it says we know that all things work together for good. Sometimes that might be all that we hold on to when we're going through something. But I hold on to it knowing that his word is true, his word is real, and it does not come back to him empty, but it accomplishes what he directed it and sent it out to. This week I want to take another step back. I want to go back one more verse. And I want to talk about Isaiah 9 verse 3. And in the Amplified, the verse goes, You, O God, will increase the nation. You will multiply their joy. They will rejoice before you like the joy and jubilation of the harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil of victory. This morning I want to talk about joy. Now joy is not flippant. Joy is different than happiness, although happiness is obviously associated and connected with joy. But sometimes we base our joy, or we think we base our joy, on what happens. And there is an effect of that, and that is, that is an aspect of joy. But when you look at this part of joy, this part of joy is actually almost a choice. In, in the Hebrew, sometimes they connect emotions with parts of the body. So anger is associated with the, the blaring nostril. When they connect joy, they actually connect joy to the heart. But what's interesting is they say when they connect joy to the heart, they don't keep the joy there. The joy actually comes out and it expresses itself in words and in actions. So this morning I want to talk about joy. I want to talk about God's joy. God is very serious about joy. He takes joy seriously. He takes joy very seriously. In Luke, when the angels came and, and saw the, pronounced his birth, he says, I've got great tidings of good news and great joy. Have you ever had something that's been so exciting but you haven't been able to share it with somebody because a certain, you know, whether it's a gift. Think of this time of the year. Some of you might have had this. I've got this awesome gift, and I'd like to say, I'd like to, but no, I got to hold it back. And then there's a joy that happens when that individual grabs that gift, opens it up, and all of a sudden they go, wow. And there's an excitement and a joy. I mean, I think we experience it 
in measure, but what God wants is for us to experience his joy. So I want to show you a few things out of this passage. It says, you, O God, will increase the nation. You will multiply their joy. They'll rejoice before you like the joy and jubilation of the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil of victory. God's done so much for us. God has done so much for us. I'm going to do an experiment. Can I do an experiment? Smile. Smile. Try to smile for a bit longer. Ryan, I love it. I think we should be the happiest people on the earth. We should be the ones that are the carriers of joy. We should be the ones that are the distributors of his joy. So smile. Smile. When you see somebody, smile. Joy. It's a decision. It is a feeling. It is an emotion, but it's also a decision. I am deciding to smile. I am deciding to carry joy. Joy is not always something that you would think would be automatic, although it should be, because it says in, in James, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. It also says, blessed are those that are persecuted for my sake. He's talking about being in a state of happiness or in a state of joy when we're being persecuted. I don't usually associate joy with pain. But Jesus came, and he is the bringer of joy. And in this passage, it says, God, he says, he's going to multiply the nation. He's talking about the nation of Israel, and we are the nation. We are the children of Israel as we've accepted Christ. And what he's saying is he's going to multiply that. And then he says, he's going to increase your joy. There are a few people in my life, not all of them, but there's a few people in my life that bring me amazing joy. I enjoy being around people that are joyful. I do. I'd rather be around a joyful person than a sourpuss. I've met people that when it's sunny out, they complain it's too hot. And when it's raining out, they say, no, now it's too cold. And, and it's like every, if it's a blue sky, they go, oh, that's too dark a blue and it's not the right hue. And it's, can't we just be joyful? 
Joy is actually a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is actually part of an expression or the expression of the Holy Spirit in our life. And it's not about being funny. It's not about just having all the best jokes. It's about having a disposition about you that you're joyful. Humor is not one of the gifts of the Spirit. It's just a byproduct of being joyful. It says in Romans, Paul was writing to the Romans through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about how they're fellowshipping together. And they're learning how to apply the kingdom of God in their life. And they're having a trouble and they're struggling with it. And he tells them, listen, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy is serious business. Keep smiling. It's okay. I'm not going to take a second offering. <laughs> Although, no, I'm just kidding. He says he wants to increase their joy. And then he has this picture as the joy or the jubilation of the harvest. A number of years ago, my daughter came to me and, and went on and said, I'd like to build a garden. So we went through the whole process of the garden. We didn't build the garden so that we could turn up the grass and rip it all up. That's not why we decided to have a garden. We didn't decide to have a garden because we wanted to plant something. We didn't decide to have a garden because we had all these little envelopes with these pretty pictures on it, although sometimes I think she was, that was one of the reasons. But that's not why we planted a garden. We planted a garden because we wanted to see and have something that grew and that we could take it off the vine and eat it. And you know what we did? We did all the hard work, and we, because I was part of it. And then we planted, and we turned over the stuff, and then we went out and we checked it almost daily after we planted something. We, we get text. Did you ever get a text message? Anybody here ever get a text message? Well, you know what happened? When that little thing popped out of the ground, the first sign of it popping out of the ground, do you know what? We got a text message. Look at what is growing. It's happening. And it was with capital letters and with explanation marks, which apparently means that's a yelling voice. So don't ever send a text message with all caps because apparently that's yelling. But there was joy in seeing it grow. Now, we didn't go out and check every day because we didn't believe it would happen. We went out and checked every day because we were expecting it to happen. 
But there's a joy that happened. Do you know what we did? I mean, this individual, my daughter, I won't say her name, but it starts with a V. She would take the fruit and then she'd put it down and arrange it and take amazing pictures of it to celebrate the harvest that we had. And we had joy. We actually ate. There were meals this summer that we ate. The only thing we bought was the meat because I didn't have a cow in the fridge. And Pastor Daniel's saying, well, that's coming. But we had salad, and all the salad was from our garden. We had strawberries from our garden. We had blueberries. I mean, I would go out, and I was... If I picked the first strawberry, I was in trouble. Why? Because there's a joy associated with a harvest. When you've put all your hard work, your sweat, your tears, you've done all that, you've endured all those things, and now you get to enjoy the harvest, there's a joy in the harvest. In fact, when you read the Bible, they actually had festivals and a celebration around the harvest time. And they would bring and say, this is the first one. This is just the beginning of what's coming. And they would celebrate what was coming. There was a joy associated with the harvest. All their hard work, all their effort, all the waiting was now finished and now they were starting to get what they had put in their time and their energy into. I love the joy of the... You know what we would actually do? Vanessa would come home from school, from teaching in the fall. Or if she was gone for the day in the summertime, she'd come and she'd go, Mom, Dad, come out here. Justin, Olivia, come here. Take some pictures, send them to Josh and Elise. You've got to see, we have an ear of corn coming. Did you see the gooseberries? Did you actually see... I got in trouble because I tried to help the garden along by pulling carrots and, and winning, and we, we, thinning them out. But there is a joy associated when you've put in all that hard work and now it's coming up and you get to eat it. You get to flourish from it. You get to enjoy it. And God is saying, Jesus in the simplest picture he can, he says he's just like that joy, the harvest. Think about that. That's the joy that Jesus brings. What's interesting about this, he gives another picture, and he says there's also another picture. It's like the, the dividing of the spoil. Anybody here ever play a competitive sport, chess included. I know chess isn't competitive, but when I play, 
Ryan, when I play a game, I play to win. I have no interest in losing. You've got a bunch of brothers. When you play, do you play to lose or do you like kind of like, ah, oh, I win? Both. <laughs> what happens when you win? Oh, say that aloud. Come up here for a second if you could. You're not going to do any trash talk or smash talk to your brother. But what happens when you win? I get excited. Why? Because it feels good. Awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Does winning beat losing? <laughs> Let me tell you, Ryan, it does. I'd rather win than lose. Dividing the spoil, a business deal, and you work hard for it, but you've got this projection, and at the end of it, you sit down, and you go, okay, here's the expenses, this and this, and here's the excess. I dream of what I do with the excess. Dividing the spoil. All that hard work, getting up early, staying up late, answering phone calls, doing things I didn't like to do, all that, getting, and in this picture, it talks about dividing the spoil of a victory, and it, it, it infers a battle. And actually, if you read it, it also refers to the battle of Midian. And some of you have been through battles at the end of that battle, I'm here to tell you, there's some spoils and there's some victory and there's some joy that comes at the end of that battle. Don't go through something just to go through it. Don't go through something just so, well, no. You go through something, you say, I'm going to get something out of this. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be better. I'm going to have greater revelation. I'm going to have more compassion. I'm, and I'm getting something out of this. And when I get through this, all of a sudden I come through and I'm stronger. And, I'm, and I've got these spoils. And I rejoice over those moments of pain, discomfort, and hurt. Because now I have the joy of the victory. When I watch games, you know, we have guys that are 250 pounds that are all men. I mean, they flex their muscles and they got muscles on top of muscles. And these guys are men of men. And you know what they do after a game? They start acting like kids. Jumping up and down, yelling, screaming, hollering. Their dignity is gone. Have you ever watched a Super Bowl celebration or a World Series celebration? They go and they put on glasses and they shake the champagne and then they let it loose and, they, and, they, and they're dancing around. They're hugging everybody. Like even if they don't like the person, they hug them. I've watched, they, they, they hug the reporters that are always talking about the bad things they do and they hug them and they say, we just won the game, we won the World Series, we won the Super Bowl, we won, the, and they're all excited. And they get the spoils of victory. 
In this passage, that's the same picture of what Jesus brings for you and me. And he says he wants to increase our joy. Smile. Come on, smile. God's in the joy business. He's not in the unhappy business. He's not in the make you sad business. He's in the joy business. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You know where that passage is found? It's found in Nehemiah. Do you know what the whole book about Nehemiah is about? Rebuilding the wall. About doing some hard work. It's about fighting off the enemy while they're still trying to build. And in the middle of that passage, in the middle of that book, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Through the middle of what you're going through, don't just stick in the get stuck in the middle, but see what the joy is for what he's got for you. And what happens is that changes what's going on. Jesus came to increase your joy. Your joy quotient. If you were to do a survey of yourself, don't do it of your wife or your husband or your kids. If you were to be honest right now and do an internal survey or an internal audit of yourself, what would your joy quotient be? One being low, ten being like people just get sick and tired of me because I'm happy and joyful all the time. What would your joy quotient be? I'm serious when I ask this. I'm going to say something here. Each one of us can get more joy. There were three honest people who said amen. If your joy quotient isn't hitting a nine or ten... And joy does not depend on what's happening in my life. We often equate it with what's happening in my life. No, it's what happened in my life. Because Jesus is the bringer of joy. So because of Jesus, I have joy. Because of Jesus, I can smile when I go through a trial. Because of Jesus, I can endure things because I know I have an eternal eternity ahead of me, a future that extends beyond my breath. Because of Jesus, I can go through things and I can go through the planting, the watering, and everything else because I know there's a harvest coming and that joy of that harvest is what Jesus is like to me. What's your joy qu quotient? I've met believers who I'm not even sure if their joy quotient goes like this at all. I'm not sure if their batteries are plugged in right. Come on. 
I've met believers, and it's like, you know what? Non-believers are happier than they are. Why would somebody want to get to know Jesus when the Jesus they saw didn't smile, didn't have anything good to say, was always complaining about this, was always complaining about this and that and that and that and that. Their disposition, I left them and I felt depressed. That is not the joy quotient that Jesus wants you and me to have. He says, love, he says, I want you to love each other because when you love each other, then my joy is full. Smile. I'm talking about joy. Yeah, it's serious because I want you to be happy. I want you to be joyful. I don't want you to walk around going, I'm depressed. No, you don't. You have Jesus inside of you and he is the bringer of joy. David, when he won the battle, bringing back the Ark of the Covenant, he got so joyful that he embarrassed his wife looking out the window. Here he is, the king of the nation who should be dignified and prim and proper and everything else. But the joy that got over him caused him to have lose his dignity and say, no, I don't care. I'm just so excited and joyful for what God has done. Can you imagine what it would be like if we became like David? No, I got too much pride. I can't. Some of us would actually break a shuffle out. You know, like, I moved my feet. I actually danced. Let it go, David. Let it go. <laughs> I tell you, I dance, but I dance ugly. I've experienced moments where I have felt, just like that, a weight fall off of me. And I've actually yelled, laughed, and smiled. Anybody here ever experienced when a weight has fallen off you? Literally or symbolically? Joy of the Lord. It says in Isaiah 55, verse 12. This is a prophetic utterance to the children of Israel. He says, my people, you will go out of Babylon with joy. Babylon representing the oppression and the actual captivity he says the destiny and the picture that God had for his people was not for them to stay in bondage. But he says, you're going to be led forth 
with joy. You're going to go out of Babylon with joy. You'll be led out of it in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song as you go, and all the trees in the fields will clap their hands. And you say, well, that's just symbolic. No, I've seen trees clapping. I've seen the hills bouncing. When the joy of God hits them, they respond to what God is doing. You are not designed to live in bondage. You are not designed to stay in captivity. You are not designed to stay wrapped up and contained. You are designed to burst forth and actually have joy and be happy and joyful. And I'm yelling. Yes, I know I'm yelling. All capitals right now. Jesus is your joy. And he broke the bondage that was holding you back. There's a passage that says, Return unto me the joy of my salvation. We have a joy deficit in the church. And I'm not talking just all right. I'm talking generally. We should be the most joyful people on the planet. Disneyland ripped us off. They are not the happiest place on earth. This is. It's not Walt's kingdom. It's God's kingdom. I'm serious and I'm trying to be joyful at the same time. You're free. You're free. You're free. Look at somebody and say, I'm free. Look at somebody and say, I'm free. I'm not bound. Look at somebody. I'm not bound. I am not captive. I am free. John, I am free. I'm free, man. I'm not captive. I'm not bound. I'm free. I ask you to say it. I'll say it too. I don't serve an old master. I serve a living God who is my Savior. And he impersonates, he is joy. And in this passage, he talks about God multiplying the nation and increasing our joy. I need an increase in joy. I don't need an increase in funny jokes. I need an increase in joy. I got enough jokes. Thank you, Pastor Daniel. This is what Jesus brings. So when we celebrate his birth, when we celebrate a culmination of time, when we celebrate God with us, can you imagine that? He cared enough to say, I'll come 
And I'll wear clothes just like they wear clothes. I'll put aside my divinity and I'll accept humanity. And I'll go through all that. Why? Because it says in Hebrews, for the joy that was set before him, the joy he endured, the cross. Your joy cost a lot. Have you ever told your child, you'll be happy because I paid for that? My wife used to tell my kids we'd go on holidays, you're going to have a good time whether you like it or not because your dad paid for it and he worked hard for it. I'm here to tell you, you're going to have joy because you got paid for it. It was paid for and the person who paid for it paid for his life. He left all the luxuries and the pleasure and the joy and he endured life for 32 and a half years on this earth so that he could fulfill everything that was written about him so that you and I could experience joy. So quit being a sourpuss. I hope you hug me at the end of this service. It says in 1 John, the one who commits sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's work. You are not bound any longer. The joy train has come. Jump on and start enjoying the ride. It says in Colossians that Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principles of darkness. Listen to this. Stripping away from every weapon and all spiritual authority and power to accuse us. In fact, it doesn't even, all it can do is accuse you. It doesn't hold you. It doesn't hold you back. All it can do is try to accuse you. And he says, and he stripped away that power. He stripped it away. If you read that passage, it also says when he was on the cross, it was nailed to the cross. Quit getting a crowbar and try to take that nail out. It's there. Leave it there. It's nailed to the cross. Why? So that you could live beyond that point and have joy. This is part of the celebration of this season. This is what Jesus does for you and me. We have joy not because of us, but because of Jesus. In closing, may we experience the greatest joy this Christmas. God for us, representing the Father. God with us, representing the Son. And God in us, representing the Holy Spirit. 
smile because I'm finished. Can we stand? Can I ask you to move out of your seats across the aisle? And let's just join hands across the aisle, across the rows. Hallelujah. Just take a moment and pray for the person on your right. And if you're at the right end, pray for the person all the way around the other side. But just pray for the person on your right, right now. Hallelujah. Now pray for the person on your left. Ask the God to give them the joy. Ask God to fill them with joy. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, you are the bringer of joy. And this time of the year, with all the stresses and with all the tensions, may we remember you as the joy giver and the joy bringer. May you infiltrate our lives in a greater way. May we smile more. May our joy quotient move the meter up higher. May we be aware of what you did and that we realize joy is from you. It's not because of what's happening around me. It's what's happened inside of me. Lord, may we take joy and may that start from our heart and work out. In your precious name, everybody said, smile at somebody and say,